Well, welcome to our Advent celebration. I am not Dr. Jim Russom, but he's supposed to be here and he's being detained. And so uh, Dr. King and I, Tom and I are, are covering. He just walked in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now here's, no, <laughs> here's Jim. <laughs> so now we're all really thrown off what we're going to do, so. Did you guys get your candles? We just thought we'd use that. We'll use that. Okay. That's okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to read the scripture that Joe wanted to have read. Then, okay. Then we'll light the candles gotcha. Good morning. I didn't even think I was going to be able to, <clears throat> to be here, but I finally was able to get it all together. Excuse me. Well, about four this morning, I think I was ready to go to heaven. <laughs> uh, we've had some wonderful chapel services this week. Our students have been extremely responsive to the scripture, to the messages that were given. The altars have been lined. During those services, the scripture called us to change our focus, not on the busyness of all the holidays, but on Jesus, the reason for the season. As we celebrated Advent, we lit candles representing what Jesus brings to us, not just at Christmas, but all year long. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And we're hoping that today as we worship together, the same thing will happen. Our focus will change, and Jesus will truly be the reason for the season for each of us. Let's worship together. From Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and he was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests.
Daniel joy reminds us that Jesus is our true source of joy. Well, good morning. There are a couple of passages of scripture I'd like to, to read to us uh, this morning as we continue our celebration of, of Advent uh, from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And uh, just uh, three short verses, verses 5, 6, and 7. And then a couple of verses in Galatians chapter 4. Hebrews 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, <clears throat> he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, this is Christ speaking, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And then in Galatians, Paul's writing, he says, but when the set time had fully come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption of sons. And then we heard a little bit of it this morning already. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you from the Gospel of Luke. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The word of the Lord. I imagine we all have different traditions about Christmas Eve. As a boy growing up in a small village, as a Catholic boy growing up in a small village, it was the practice weeks before Christmas. Every night, folks would gather together and sing carols from house to house. And the crescendo would be Christmas Eve, where folks would give you coffee or tea or fruits. And sometimes they might even put a little rum in there for you. 
And so it made Christmas Eve sometimes a little tipsy, especially for a young boy. Maybe you have some traditions. Maybe you open one present at Christmas Eve and wait for the next day. I wonder, would you care to share something of your own tradition or some memory you had of your Christmas Eve? Uh, let's, let's take a moment. Anybody? Feel free. I don't really know what started it, but this particular tradition, every Christmas Eve, uh, my mom and dad would have us all put our Sunday shoes at the base of the Christmas tree and we'd take a picture. I had no idea what that was for, what it meant, but we did it every Sunday. <laughs> All right, good. Somebody else? You had? My brother and I have a tradition. We always had to wait to open gifts on Christmas morning. And so when he was uh, about 10, I was paid. Then we started um, uh, stockpiling root beer and chicken and biscuit. And so we'd wake up early on Christmas morning, and then we would eat, drink root beer and eat chicken and biscuit, waiting for my parents to wake up. <laughs> good. Amen, amen, amen. Let's take a couple more. Yes, Janine. Making a birthday cake for Jesus and having that on Christmas Day. Wow, good, good. One more? Somebody else? Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I, w I want us to use our imagination this morning. And uh, the, focus, the, the, the way I want to shape this this morning is to have a Christmas Eve in heaven, have one on earth, and then hopefully have one in our own hearts this morning. From this, these passages, imagine Gabriel. He's, he's, he's making a report in heaven of all the preliminary events on earth which were under his care. Can you visualize with me a moment around the throne? The angels, everything is set, and, Abraham, and Gabriel, the, the, the archangel Gabriel is, is giving his report. He, he had told the, this assembled angels of the vision in which he had appeared to Zacharias. And the events, of course, leading up to the, the birth of, of John the Baptist. He, he gave a report on the grand annunciation he had made to Mary. And her worshipful response and obedience in her heart to do the will of God. He must have told of the marvelous work of the Holy Spirit in, in the creating of a body to be inhabited by the second person of the Trinity while he would be on earth. And how Mary had treasured under her heart all these things. He told of Mary's visit to Elizabeth and of their mutual joy. And I'm almost amused by when these two pregnant women got together. And, and the direction of their conversation is what amuses me. They did not talk of how long they have yet to go and how uncomfortable this is. And all the preparations and the cribs and all the things that they 
time to prepare, but they began to worship. And almost in a prenatal revival, the Holy Spirit begins to work. Talk about it, a pouring of the Spirit. And so, uh, Gabriel is reporting on some of these and he told of Mary's visit of course and, and then he told of the reassurance that he had given to Joseph in a dream and uh, so that the protection would be given to the infant child. He told of that. He even reported that the journey to Bethlehem was a success and that the lodging provided for the Holy Family was an old manger on the hills overlooking the field of the shepherds. I thought about that. Uh, what, a, what a night it must have been for them. There was no room in the inn, you remember that. And that inn was a place where you probably have a little lodging and a little food and but that was not available and there was another type of of inn that is used another word that is used in the in the scriptures to describe a second type of inn it's the word the kataluma and it was one where you could kind of hold the cows for a while and uh, just a space no food no no conveniences at all. And even that was not available. That's not what they had. They had almost a little shack in the hillside. He must have told that this was a success and, uh, and um, thinking that there was no hospital. Uh, he wasn't born in the palace, not even in the temple, which they've been not too far away and the great congregation around the throne was waiting for the moment called the fullness of time which Paul writes for us in Galatians uh, to strike this time would strike when the second person of the Trinity would come forth born under the law born of a woman and Gabriel would be interrupted ever so often by the angels with songs unto the Lord as they would hear the report they were singing his praises his worthiness his glory worshiping God for his plan of redemption the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 and when he again brings the firstborn into the world he says and let all the angels of God worship him. As Gabriel was telling, his part in the preparation for the coming of the Messiah, the angels would rise and worship and sing songs unto the Lord. But while earth was oblivious to the event that took place in Bethlehem, the great host of heaven were waiting to worship, to praise, to glorify the newborn babe because of the fullness of time had arrived. God had sent forth his salvation. The day spring from on high had visited man. 
the glory and the consolation of Israel had come. But that night, this Christmas Eve night in heaven, there would have been a farewell conversation between the Father and the Son. The focus of that conversation would have been the purpose of the coming of Christ into the world. The passage in Hebrews 10 gives us a, a picture of, of that conversation that night. First, he said to the Father, a body you have prepared for me. Think of the countless numbers of animals that were used as sacrifices to atone for sin. And he said, sacrifice an offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Oh, Jesus must have thought that God takes no pleasure in the death of animals but in the economy of God in the will of God in the plan of God for a lost world he had prepared a body for the Son of God to inhabit to tabernacle so that the sins of the world could be atoned for once and for all. This body of Christ was the result of a divinely creative act in which the power of the highest overshadowed Mary and gave specially prepared body for the Son of God. That's the miracle of the incarnation of what God was doing for us, his love for us. It's Christ in that conversation in heaven this Christmas Eve said to the Father again, I come to do your will. I come to do your will. He says, therefore when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O oh God. What obedience. Even the obedience of suffering was on his mind in that conversation. A body you've prepared for me. Not animal sacrifices you want. That's repulsive to you. It's repugnant to us. The slaughter of animals. But a body you've given to me and in that body I desire to do 
your will. That is the fulfillment and the realization of all the hopes of every one of us. The faith and the love and the joy and the peace, the big answers to all the mysterious questions, the complexities of life, the burden that a fallen humanity carries. It is in the divine obedience of the Son to the Father. I have come to do your will. And then this third thing he said in that dialogue in heaven that Christmas Eve. He said to the Father, in the scriptures it is written about me. And it appears that he's quoting from at least two Old Testament passages from Psalm 40 and Deuteronomy 17. The approval of the second person of the Trinity is placed on the testimony of Scripture. If you, if you slide down to, to verse 10 of the same uh, chapter 10 of Hebrews, uh, we see we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It's written about me of what he will do, what he will accomplish, the saving and sanctifying work of the Savior is the witness of Scripture. And so this was Christmas Eve in heaven. Let us turn our attention now to Christmas Eve on earth. Uh, and the first event was, of course, the arrival of the Holy Family in Bethlehem. The fullness of Mary's time had come. Can you see them? They were obeying the decree of Caesar Augustus. A couple that had no influence, no power over what took place in Rome, but they followed and traveled to Bethlehem. And it is, it is in that event that Mary would give birth to her firstborn child. This event on which all history turns an event that was unheralded, unattended, unknown except for the animals and the angels. This young mother filled with faith and hope and love fulfills what Paul would write in 1 Timothy 2.15 but women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctify with self-restraint. So Mary has come to give birth to the Savior. And then the next step after the child is born is the appearance of the angels to the shepherds. 
Music formed part of the vision which the shepherds received. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ Lord. Those three words, Savior Christ, there are no articles between them in the language. To you is born Savior, Christ, Messiah, Lord. Amen. And, and, and the heavenly host was saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill towards man. When I read this account by the angels, uh, driven to the time of his baptism, when the father said, This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. Glory to God in the heavens and on earth and goodwill towards men in whom God is pleased. The, the pleasure of God is found in, in men when they embrace his son. When they invite him into their hearts and into their lives. There's approval in heaven of Jesus, but there's approval on earth among men when they receive the Messiah and the Savior. While this was going on, the Christmas Eve, simultaneously in a far off nation, the wise men starting the stars saw the appearance of a new star. And as soon as possible, they began their long journey in search of the one who is to be born king. Christmas Eve on earth. In them we have the forerunners of many Gentiles who were and are yet to come to worship this Christ child. In them we have God's divine provision and safety and security. For little Lord Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful plan. So, we have Christmas in heaven, Christmas on earth, Christmas Eve on earth, and now the factor that will make Christmas the most meaningful for you and for me is Christmas in our heart. Christmas in heaven would mean nothing to us. Or even on the Judean hills or in Bethlehem would mean nothing to us if there is no Christmas or Christmas Eve in our heart. It is a fundamental Bible truth that Christ is reborn in the regeneration of every child of God. Every time someone gives their heart to Christ, he is incarnated afresh. In fact, Paul captures that when he writes to the Galatians in chapter 4, My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Oh, we've got to have Christmas in our hearts. We've got to have an incarnation 
in our hearts. Is there room in your heart for him? Have you crowned him Christ, the King of Kings, in your heart as the wise men did in theirs? They brought their gifts to his feet because they believed in their hearts he was the great king. Have you worshipped him as the fulfillment of the greatest longing of your soul? Faith, hope, and love converge in that Christmas Eve story in heaven with Gabriel on the Judean hills with the angels and shepherds and in Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph but has he converged in you has it converged in your own soul is he the King of Kings and the Lord of all Lords in the fullness of time God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem them that are under the law so that we might have, we might be adopted as sons and daughters of God this morning. Would you say with me as we close in the fullness of time, would you say that? In the fullness of time, a body, come on, a body you have prepared for me. Let's say it again. In the fullness of time, a body you have prepared for me. Let's pray. Father, in just a moment, we'll be lighting the Christ candle. We are challenged in our hearts to open ourselves up to you, to your divine revelation in our hearts through your Son, Jesus Christ, through the operative work of the Holy Spirit that not only moved on Mary, but moves in our own hearts so that you're formed in us. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your amazing love and hope that we have, not only now, but forever. Thank you, Jesus, for our brothers and sisters here at NBC as we continue our worship and celebration of this great event. Keep us mindful, Lord the true purpose and meaning of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.
dismissed.